And we're back. About damn time. Really? Seriously? Yeah, I think the drugs are kicking in. It's probably good because I'm topless. That's what all podcasts need. God, we are. Bad Philosophy, episode 83, recorded on January 31st, 2011. An unexceptional episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome in. One, two, Bad Philosophy, episode 83. Uh, we're coming at you for a, uh, a little bit of a disjointed one this time, uh, a little bit of backstory. Uh, it's, it's, well, you know, it seems like every one of these episodes since New Year's has been kind of, uh, kind of an impromptu, uh, you know, not the circumstances we anticipated, uh, last minute cobbled together sort of a Frankenstein. But uh, for this one, Yesterday, we were supposed to record in the afternoon, but a couple of things happened. Kiki lost her internet connection. <laughs> Which, Suck it, AT&T. Yeah. Um, but what exactly happened there? It just our, we have a U-verse from AT&T, so it's all bundled with the TV and internet and stuff. And the the main units in the living room worked but everything in the back of the apartment the three other units and the internet connections we have in the bedrooms just stopped (laughs) and didn't come back for about two hours and then they kind of slowly came back one by one and my room was the last one to get connectivity back (laughs) so AT&T can suck on that I guess. I, I still don't know what happened or why, but mm-hmm. it was just kind of weird. And then, Kevin, you uh, your girlfriend got uh, got pretty ill, I heard? Well, uh, yeah, she got ill because I got ill. Um, mm. My birthday was spent um, teaching students about theater of the absurd, followed by throwing up. <laughs> um, that was more or less what happened to me on my birthday. And so I was sick basically... Thursday night, most of Friday, and a little bit on Saturday. And by Saturday evening, um, my girlfriend, who had been taking care of me, caught what I had and is now going through a very similar range of things, and I have been taking care of her. Because that's what you do when one person gets sick because of the other. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been doing a fat night, and she's been a little bit better, and I, I, you know... I didn't take some time off. It's not like it's a job, but you know, I'm I'm out and about for a while this afternoon doing, you know, grocery shopping, things like that. And took some time to do a bad philosophy as well. Yeah. All right. Well, uh we, we appreciate y'all both being here and uh and, and Jed was going to come on the show yesterday, but and, and he was actually the only person who showed up. This time he was the only person who didn't show up. So we're going to skip our, our little uh discussion of Ayn Rand inspired by him having recently read Atlas Shrugged and uh and postpone that for a later date. Uh and today we're gonna talk about a, a few different things. Um well first off I'm I'm actually not at home. I'm not at a Starbucks or a Panera Bread. I'm sitting in this weird, like, health closet type thing at the Goodwill Computer Works uh, Community Center headquarters thing, uh, where I volunteer a couple days out of the week because it's the only quiet place in this building. <laughs> so uh, if, if occasionally somebody walks in here and we have to pause for a little bit, uh, you have been warned. Uh, but first off, I had uh, I had a lot of fun. Well, yeah, I would say a lot of fun, mostly. Uh, last week, what was it? Wednesday, the uh, State of the Union address. 
Was it was it Tuesday or Wednesday, Kiki? Tuesday. Do you remember? It was Tuesday. Okay. So Tuesday. Uh, almost a week ago, um, President Obama went in front of the uh, a joint session of Congress and uh, and spoke about well a lot of different things. And uh, it was one of the those few times where I'm like, you know, the only thing that is going to make this broadcast bearable is to watch the Twitter back channel. And uh, it was <laughs> a lot of fun. I, I, I followed Keith Olbermann and uh, Bill yeah. Corbett, uh, Kevin Murphy. Uh, I think I think Phil Platt, the bad astronomer, as well as Adam Savage were all sort of tweeting, uh, you know, random jokes and comments throughout the thing. So uh, Keith Olbermann's stuff was was usually pretty good. He was retweeting a lot of his uh, followers' comments, so that was good. And uh, and I actually got retweeted a couple times by I guess people following the hashtag. Uh, so, so Kiki, you were you were following uh, hash SOTU as well, right? You know, I wasn't. I was <laughs> I was uh, following the the friends of Keith, the the one that Keith Alberman set up. Uh, uh, okay. And that one that one was pretty hilarious. <laughs> I will <laughs> I will say that that they come up with some good stuff. Uh, yeah. So I I thought it was interesting, just kind of in the in the idea that. You know he's not on a network now, and he doesn't have to worry about censors and things like that. So he was just kind of saying whatever came to his mind, oh, like yeah. as as it, he thought of it, and and that I think was fascinating. Kind of just watching. The, well, the and, and the process. great thing was too that there were there was plenty to make fun of during the State of the Union address. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I felt I felt a little bit sorry for John Boehner and uh, and Joe Biden standing behind uh, or yeah. sitting behind Obama, having to uh, look interested for the cameras the entire time. Um, yeah, somebody has suggested that you know we just put him in front of. Uh, you know, a plain background instead of having to make the vice president and the speaker sit behind and try to look interested for however long the speech goes on. Yeah, which I, I mean, think that's... might be a good idea. But it's but it's part of the fun is trying to watch them. You know, especially when it's somebody on the the opposite political side trying to be nice and yeah. polite while this is going on. You know, and, and there, of course, there were there were things like the uh, the Daily Show highlighted. Oh, what's her name? What Kathy Proctor or something? Uh, some some oh, school yeah. teacher that uh, that Obama mentioned. You know, camera cuts to her and she just you know turns to someone sitting next to her and and, and obviously says, "That's me." <laughs> it's like, I mean, seriously, how? Well, how was, many times has the president mentioned you? Yeah, that's I, true. But I mean, you know, it was just such a such a like you know. Such a high mob moment, you know, yeah. <laughs> for, for doing that. Um, yeah, you know, content-wise, I did. I did have a few comments about what Obama said. It was, you know, it was mostly kind of, you know, hey, times are pretty tough right now, but we're gonna bounce back. You know, this is our time. This is our. I think the phrase he used was, "This is our Sputnik moment." Um, and to kind of, you know. Taken out of what context. What does that even mean? Yeah. Well, here's the deal. I didn't watch the. I didn't watch it. I'm sorry, but I have no idea. Well, this is our Sputnik moment. No, no. no. So this you, is the moment when we send. Well, okay, Sputnik two is when we send a dog in space and let it die. <laughs> but Sputnik. And, and, okay, continue. And, no, Please no, explain. And, and quite honestly, you're exactly right, Kevin. Taking out of taking out of context, and I actually saw like this is our Sputnik moment as a headline in a few places. And I thought that you can't, you can't just print that part of it. It's, it was the end of an, 
analogy he was making, which is, you know, the 1950s, uh, Russia launches Sputnik, and we have no NASA, we have no space program uh, to to uh, to speak of, and uh, and that moment galvanized us into creating NASA, into creating the space program, into doing the the great things that uh, created jobs and created prosperity in America, and blah 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 blah. So so this is our Sputnik moment. <laughs> I don't know. What, whatever. Um, this but, is our Sputnik moment in the same way that soon we will have no NASA and no space travel to speak of. Yeah, yeah. I agree. That so, makes a lot of sense. And so it, I was. It, so it's he our said, Sputnik moment in reverse. Yeah. yeah. No, no, he, here's the deal. So we, he he's a little that. early on. We haven't quite hit the point of no NASA again, but we're getting closer. <laughs> so he said that, and my exact next thought was, "Oh my God, is he actually going to?" you know, fun space travel again, you know, and, but it's, no. it's like, no, no. It, what he's actually going to do is propose a bill that would fund a bunch of research and like infrastructure rebuilding and, you know, these, these really mediocre goals, like, uh, have a million electric cars on the roads by 2050. And it's like, yeah. what? <laughs> you know, no, come on. We need, we did a lot more than that. I'm sorry, well, but here's, here's proof that's not what's happening. And I'm, I'm I sent you a link to a uh, Will Wheaton post. Uh-huh. He's actually talking about paywalls and why paywalls are stupid, and I agree with him. But he's talking about an excerpted um, article about how the um, the Fermi National Accelerator Laboratory in Illinois is being shut down. Because the U.S. Department of Energy won't give them $35 million a year. $35 million a year. Yeah. You don't have for them. Yeah. Oh, and, you know, one, one of the things that, uh, one of, that Obama mentioned is, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're getting research money for this from, uh, you know, the, uh, a 10, something like a $10 billion cut in defense spending. How many hundreds of billions of dollars do we spend on defense every year? No, we spend lots, and I'm okay with cutting defense for, for research. No, no, no. I, but, and, and I'm like, why not more? Well, saying. fair enough. <laughs> but when we're cutting, you know, $10 billion, we can't pony up $35 million a year to, to have a shot at beating the CERN particle yeah. accelerator discovering the Higgs boson? Yeah. I mean, there's a space race right there. There's our Sputnik moment. Yeah. No, it's it, it's, it was we're really... shutting it down because we want to have more electric cars on the road in the next 50 years. Which is, you know, he and he even mentioned, like, the Kennedy thing. In 10 years, we're going to put a man on the moon. Like, that is an ambitious goal to set. He said nothing like that. <laughs> in 50 yeah. years, we're going to have a few more cars on the road? Yeah. No, by the end of my term, we'll have 50 million electric cars on the road. That would be an exciting thing. Yeah, that'd be But huge. by putting it at 50 years, or by 2050, 40 years, 39 years, okay. How many presidents could we potentially go through in 39 years? If yeah. we were Egypt, just one, but... Um... Well, fair enough. <laughs> Sorry, I had to... <laughs> Ouch. But we're not. We're the U.S. We have a turnover rate of at maximum eight years, <laughs> oftentimes half that. So yeah. we have between, you know, 39. Somebody math. else do the math. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 um, it's really not worth doing. At least five presidents, minimum five presidents between now and then. Yeah. I yeah. guess you could do it four because Obama's got a, got a term left. So maybe four presidents. 
I, uh, you know, the world is a different place than it was four presidents ago. Boy, for, yeah, for having not watched the presidents. state of, I'm sorry, do you, Kevin, for not having watched the State of the Union address, you're getting awfully heated about this. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I, I'm hearing about it from you guys, and I'm like, why is he saying these things? This is why I don't watch the State of the Union address. Well, Nothing here, use gets done. <laughs> my problem, I'll give you my problem with the State of the Union, is, is one, as... Stevens kind of mentioned he didn't really say anything. It's kind of like we'll do some stuff in 40 years maybe when I'm not in charge anymore and can't take responsibility for it. Yeah. But you know as my my father and I always talk after the state of the union and uh we were talking afterwards and my dad was like, "Wow, that was a nice republican speech." And <laughs> it really was. It was it was like and if you watched the republican, you know, response afterwards, it was like, you know, Obama was like, we need to cut spending and we need to do, you know, uh, have smaller government and we need, you know, and all these things that are typically Republican ideals. Yeah. And then when the Republican guy got on to respond to it, it was, you know, how dare Obama say that we need to spend more money? What we need to do is cut money and we need to have smaller government. And I'm like, you guys didn't even bother to read the speech. No, no, no. I mean, obviously the, the response is pretty A two-party system means that you just have to say, we disagree with whatever you just said. You don't actually have to listen to anybody because there's no real debate. Yeah. So yeah. that's going to happen either way, but no the, matter who's in charge. But the problem is with this one is that Obama said everything they wanted him to say. I mean, everything that a Republican president would have said, except for the fact that Obama said that you shouldn't hate on gay people. And, yeah, none, um, of the, uh, none of the generals, uh, none of the chiefs of staff were clapping when he mentioned the repeal of Don't Ask, Don't Tell. Uh, which yeah. is, well, uh, usually, and, and this is, you know, I was, I was thinking about that, but usually if you see the military during the State of the Union, they don't respond to anything. Yeah. And that's usually the same about the uh, the Supreme Court as well. If the if the Supreme Court justices are are in there, they usually do not respond one way or the other. Yeah, because they're supposed to be impartial. What whatever. But uh, you know, the camera cuts to him, and it was kind of you know maybe some of them wanted to to stand up because certainly a few of them that I saw there testified in favor of repealing "Don't Ask, Don't Tell." So yeah. it, it, you know, it's they obviously supported, it, but maybe you're right; they just didn't want to show bias or something. I don't know. Um, I, overall, I, I was I was kind of a little bit more tolerant of everything that Obama said than I would have of like would have been of maybe a Bush State of the Union speech, uh, which I, yeah. I never watched one of because those were obviously pretty much Th- all bullshit. Those were those were good drinking games. Oh though, yeah, because yeah. there there was just a lot of stupidity in there. Yeah. And the, I didn't even notice, but but the Daily Show, thank you for for pointing this out. Uh, Obama did not say the state of our union is strong <laughs> because it is not. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and that was and the other thing. The other thing that the Republicans are on to him is that he never said anything about American exceptionalism, which is their big buzzword now. Hmm. Um, is um, that you know we're an exceptional state you know, state and we're exceptional and, you know, because we're America and exceptional does not mean good. I'd just like to point that out. Yeah. Exceptional means you don't follow the trend that others have set. You are the exception. Now, if everybody else is bad, being exceptional is, you know, right on. But if everyone else is doing things right, you're, and you're the exceptional one, 
maybe you want to rethink that. I'm yeah. just saying that just calling ourselves exceptional doesn't mean what they think it means. Yeah, but but I was watching Bill Maher's uh, show, and he, you know, he was right in, you know, because I thought about it too. Is like, in what way are we exceptional anymore? We're we're oh, not we're, <laughs> we're not exceptional in in education. We're not exceptional in science. We're not exceptional in healthcare. We're not. I mean, GDP. name a way we're. Yeah, I mean. GDP. Which, we're no, still we're do. still exceptional Except- in GDP. I'm sure we're exceptional in defense spending. And yeah. again, this they, I, I'm going back to my definition of exceptional. What does exceptional yeah. mean here? Are we exceptional in health spending in that we're one of the last um, first world government countries that doesn't have a socialized healthcare system? That's an exception. Yeah. Now, one way or the other, one way you agree with it, disagree with it, whatever, I don't care. That's not the point I'm trying to make. Yeah, we're an exception there. Um, education. Our educational system is different from most of the other European educational systems. There are similarities, but we're exceptionally different. I, so I'm, I, I agree. In a lot of ways, we are exceptional. Not necessarily if that's a good thing. Yeah. Right. Well, I, you know, I, I didn't want to spend all of our time talking about the State of the Union, but uh, it's, you know, worth mentioning that uh, there was... You know, a lot of rhetoric and a lot of uh, a lot of nice, dreamy things that you know I wish would happen. Like, you know, don't get me wrong; I didn't disagree with everything you said. I think it would be great if we had a million or had more electric cars on the road. I think it would be great if we had a high-speed rail system that uh, that was accessible. I think it'd be great if we actually funded you know American research and American education. Um, whether those bills are going to pass, it's pretty unlikely. I mean, most most of the State of the Union for me was Obama pitching stuff that he was about to propose to Congress. Bills that are most likely going to, if they do pass, get eviscerated and, if, and most likely won't pass. I, I think the one really good thing that he said was that we need to care less about who wins the Super Bowl and more about who wins the science fair. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't care who wins either. Uh, yeah, yeah. Science fair. But, it's, but it's the, actually, the idea was was good. No, I don't the, think it was. If the analogy was not. <laughs> yeah, no. I, well, uh, I, I I think yeah. Okay, we need to think more about science, and we need to value science more. I guess yes, I can agree with that. But a better analogy would have been. You know, we should care who wins science grant money. You know, who get who goes out yeah. there and starts. You know, gets twenty million dollars for a biotech research startup. I mean, that's that's the kind of ingenuity that we should be praising, and uh, and I think we are to a certain extent. I mean, we venerate uh, we venerate the entrepreneurs in our in our society now, and, and you know, people like Mark Zuckerberg that that are building companies that benefit. You know indirectly benefit America, but are, you know, American innovators. Um, you know, I think that's, those guys should be praised just as much as, as the football stars. Um, and, you know, science wise, people like Phil Platt who are out there, you know, spreading knowledge and making science accessible. Uh, who's, who's the guy from, uh, who's the guy that, that's at the, um, at the planetarium in New York, uh, the, um, uh, Neil, Neil, deGrasse Tyson? Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's right. Yeah. Uh, folks like him, you know those those guys are uh, those guys are real superheroes, and uh, and they should be they should be considered on that same level. But uh, it's not going to happen because football is flashier and uh, and gets more money. Yeah. So, well, anyways, that sucks. Yeah. <laughs> 
And on that note, let's talk about China, <laughs> or more more specifically,、uh, how the Chinese raise their children and why, according to one woman, it is vastly superior to the way、yeah. that Americans do.、Um, so, Kevin, this article gets my goat.、Um, <laughs> I think it's supposed to. So, why, why don't you, Kevin? You just read this this article by by、yeah. Amy. Is it Amy Chow? I guess.、Uh, Chua. Chua. I'm not, I'm not great at pronouncing、uh, Chinese names. Yeah.、Um, I believe it's Chua. Chua. It'd be close to how you pronounce it. I don't know if I have the accents right. Well, because Chinese is both accented and tonal. Yeah.、Um, and that I can't you, read. You raise、it. or lower the pitch of your voice depending on things. So I don't know if it's、uh, how awesome. I, I don't know exactly how to pronounce it. Yeah.、Um, if we were to just Americanize it, we'd say Chua. Um, or you know, Chua, but I don't. I I feel a little bad doing that because I'm about to say mean things、right. about this. So I'd at least like to try and get her name right. So first of all, let's. I'll you know, I'll I'll kind of introduce the the concept, and then you can completely destroy it, Kevin.、Uh, someone posted. I don't recently, know if I completely destroy it. I just there's a lot of things going on. Oh, okay. Well, you you、Go、can、ahead. rebut it then. How's that?、Um, And, I would, and I would say, if we had a camera, please actually look at it. Zing! For anyone who watched,、uh, Michelle Bachman never actually looked、yeah. at the camera during her rebuttal. <laughs> It was kind of funny and sad. <laughs> It made her look like a complete dork.、Uh, well, she was looking at a camera. She just wasn't looking at the the camera of record, which、right. is kind of yeah. 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 Anyways,、uh, so someone posted on our forum spring. I just read this article about Chinese parenting versus Western parenting.、Uh, knowing that you aren't parents but have been quote parented, I wondered what is your philosophical view.、Uh, well, the philosophical view of、uh, Amy Chua or Chow or however you pronounce it is that、um, you know rigorously, basically that that、uh, that hard love is the the best way to raise her children. She has a couple of daughters. And for pretty much their entire lives, she has restricted them to never have playdates, never have sleepovers, never get involved in, in theater,、uh, which is <laughs> very explicitly, which I found kind of odd.、Um, yeah, and, and there's a to, reason for that. Well, and to essentially spend all of their time、uh, practicing instruments and studying、uh, their subjects. So you know, violin, piano, and math. <laughs> Every day,、mm-hmm. day in and day out,、uh, until they are perfect. You know, nothing less than an A plus acceptable、uh, for anything. You know, nothing less than perfection, essentially. And she says that through this, you know, contrary to to what Westerns that、um, Western parents tend to think,、uh, where you know everybody contributes and everybody's a winner, and you know you give everybody a trophy even if they win or lose.、Uh, the only way for for a child to truly succeed is to Beat the living hell out of them psychologically until they do exactly what you intend,、uh, and then they will have a happy life. <laughs> so, you know, already my bias is coming through. But Kevin, why don't you why don't you give us your take? Yeah, on it? well, and and it's very easy to be biased because she's written this in such a way to be inflammatory. Yeah,、oh, um, I've, I've seen inflammatory writing before. I've done some of it myself, and this is clearly that. Um, which is why we're even talking about it. The, the article has seven thousand seven hundred and two comments on it at the time of my speaking right now. Oh,、um, I didn't even see that. <laughs> and it was—it's was, right here at the top. I, and it was published January eighth. 
So in the past, you know, few weeks, three weeks basically, it has gotten seven over seven thousand, nearly eight thousand comments, which is what she wanted. Yeah, I'll be honest. Um, now, what this article does is, and I'm, I'm not even. I'm going to get to to my personal opinions about how I view this style of parenting here in a second, which is what the original question was asking. But this article sets up, plays on a lot of really interesting um, post-colonial things that are going on by playing into stereotypes about this sort of East versus West convention that exists. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not going to speak to the, to the reality of that, of, you know, if, if Chinese, she uses Chinese and Western, which is a little problematic in and of itself, um, as far as a dichotomy goes, because she's, it, it'd be like me saying, you know, Texan and Asian, Right. <laughs> Which is problematic. If I'm comparing Texan people to all of the Asian people, well, there's a lot of people in Asia in a lot of different countries and different cultures, just like there's a lot of different cultures in the West. Um, but because she's coming at it from that side, it's a little bit easier maybe. It's trickier. It's hard to, hard to explain um, why I feel like she can get away with it more so. And she says, you know, I use both these terms loosely. You know, I know Korean, Indian, Jamaican, Irish, and Ghanaian parents who, who are Chinese mothers. Um, and, you know, just because you are, you know, heritage from China doesn't mean you're a Chinese parent and you can be a Western parent. And, and so her, her terms are picked to be inflammatory, right. I feel. Um, and, and have that effect. And I don't really, I don't appreciate that because it's letting the form get in the way of what she's trying to say. Um, and she really is positing these sort of two different ideas of, of how to raise children. One being super strict and, and, and beyond what I might consider a strict parent, but to what, you know, they make TV shows about. You know, there's a reality TV show in this article yet to be made. Mm-hmm. But um, and and she's cre- she's creating this dichotomy of you know this versus that, and how how this is where I'm getting my personal opinion. How much it's it's about love and how much you know she's sacrificed you know they sacrifice so much to do this sort of thing, and you know that you have to you have to focus on these things that are very important. You have to excel here here. You have to practice eighty thousand times a day, and that's really important because that's what matters. You have to get good grades because that's what matters. Yeah. But there's an an assumption there of deciding what matters. Um, I'm going to use her example of theater because A, it struck home, and B, there's a, there's a really interesting reason behind it. Um, she doesn't let her children be in school plays, and she makes a comment much further into the article about, you know, Mommy, I got to do a school play, and now I'm peasant number seven. I have to be at rehearsal from 3.30 to 7.30 every night for the next three weeks. Yeah. And, and the idea being that that will take away from her child, and I'm speaking specifically of, of her here, I don't want to make generalizations like she's doing about Western children or Chinese children or parents or what have you, and I use those terms because she used those terms, but I don't really like them. She would never let her children do that because she's taking away time that she thinks her daughter should be spent playing the piano or violin or yeah. studying to get that A that she knows her daughter can make. Um, but it's these sorts of things that she has decided what is important for her children. Exactly. And I understand that idea. And, and, you know, certainly everybody has that opinion. But 
Well, it's it's paternalism to the extreme. I, I mean, very. It much, is. Yeah, she, it she is. is. She is going. I know better than you. Period. Uh, you know, uh-huh. forever and for always, I will know what is best. Trust me, and don't question me, and do what I say. And, and if, and, if, and what if you think happen, doesn't matter, what yeah, you say doesn't matter. What you a, think you exactly can do right. doesn't matter. I say mm-hmm. what you can do, and you can do better. So therefore, practice more. Um, yeah. yeah. And and she gets results, and I believe that she can get results out of this. And and I'm not thinking about the child's well-being necessarily here, because I don't think these chi- these children are are in terrible homes. This woman writes for the Wall Street Journal. She's a published author. Her kids are fine, more or less. Yeah. Um, that's not what I'm concerned about here. What I'm concerned about is is the narrowness of it to some extent. If I hadn't been allowed to be in a school play in fifth grade where I got to play the sun and wear a giant yellow cardboard cutout of a sun, I, pr- I might not be where I am today. I might not be working towards my master's in theater. Yeah. And, the, and that's the sort of thing is you have these very, very specific tracks that have been decided upon for the child that don't allow any experimentation, don't allow any variation yeah. that I think become problematic because here's just an example and I'm, I'm take an average population of say 1 billion people. That's what we've got 1 billion people. I just picked a number at random. And if, if, the goal here is, you know, what is, what is the, the end game for these two children, or for any two children in this one billion popul- children population? The end game is to what? Get the best possible job and make the most possible money. Is that, is that not the end game? Um, yeah, maybe. I, maybe? I, I still I feel it's more like gain the most prestige. Okay. Be the best. Um, so I mean, her, her, it was best. constantly like, you know, excel above all of your peers. Yeah. In what, in every be the way, best at form. something, right. at something in particular, though. Not just be the best at something, yeah. but be the best at something particular. Be it playing the violin or the piano or number one in your class. Right. Um, and while I agree, being the best does take a lot of work. If, you, if everybody tries to be the best... You're going to run out of people eventually. You, you can't. You can't. Everyone can't be better than all of their peers, first of all. That's just a math thing. Yeah. Um, but beyond that, if everybody's trying to be the best at one thing, you're going to have even less success. I am not a mathematical person. I'm decent at math. I'm not an engineer. I'm bad at engineering. That's okay. We need people to be engineers. <laughs> We yes. need people to build bridges and do these sorts of things. And I make an argument. We need people to do theater as well. We need people to hold the mirror up to reality, as Shakespeare put in Hamlet. Yeah. And so this, this narrowness of it, of literally, her, her, she makes it very clear her children are allowed to play one of two instruments, or both, the piano and the violin, and not any other instrument. Because these are the most prestigious instruments, or because they, they're the most played solo instruments, Whatever reason, I don't know why those two were picked. I think she made it clear in the article because that's stereotypical and she's playing into some stereotypes here. Um, very intentionally so. Yeah. But, you know, uh, what's his name? Kenny G is one of the best sax players in the universe. Whether you like his music or not, that's not the point. <laughs> He's a really, really good sax player. Um, 
uh, Weird Al Yankovic has taken accordion playing to an incredible new level, as have the guys in They Might Be Giants, uh, one of the Johns in particular. Yeah. Um, we can't just have a world full of people who play the violin and the piano. Yeah. No, I, and, 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 and that's, that's the fundamental thing, I think, that, that she misses here is that diversity is okay. <laughs> yes. know, that that generalism and, and is okay, uh, and and mm-hmm. not it, you know generalism is not the devil. Specialization is not the only route. Um, <laughs> it's uh, so, and, and obviously, I, I think you know to take a step back, she probably doesn't believe wholeheartedly in in, in everything that she writes here. Obviously, she's she's you know presenting a very one-sided view in order to be controversial, in order to get page views or, or sales or whatever else it is that makes her happy. She's got a new book. This is, a, this is out of her book that published like right. a week after this came out. So that's what this is about. This is her thing. Yeah. This, this yeah. is obviously her angle uh, on, on the world. Great. Whatever. She's founded. Um, her philosophy is flawed, period. Now you know. Let's talk about what. Let's and and I think you you have you have you know picked it apart in in a way, Kevin. I, you know there are certainly some good aspects to it, which I always you know trying to walk the middle way. Always, I, I you know good not a you. Buddhist, but I but I took some I took some some stuff from that that view. I think that there there are right components to uh, to her philosophy, and there are right components to the philosophy against which she argues. I think it's perfectly fine for you know a child to specialize in a certain thing if if indeed that is their interest. Um, you know, some kids need to be poked and prodded in the right direction in order to really succeed, and and they don't realize why it's valuable until the very end. Uh, on the other hand, some kids are you know shoehorned into a certain thing that is not for them. And they end up wasting mm-hmm. a hell of a lot of time doing something that, in the end, doesn't actually make them happy. Their parents were mm-hmm. wrong, or whoever guided them in that direction was wrong. And that with a little bit more experimentation, they might have been able to find something that they really did enjoy and spend all of that time that they spent on the other thing on the thing that actually makes them happy. So, you know, and I, believe me, I've seen this happen far too often as, as part of the Honors College of Texas Tech. The kids there are, you know, very much a child of the Western Chinese parents. Yes, Western Chinese parents with, you know, a small yeah. C probably. Because, you know, her philosophy is is more of a, you know. Uh, I, I get what you're saying. It's, an, it's a non-national thing, yeah. Um, and, and so, yes. you know, th- these are kids who, who you know, in my case, I was homeschooled from the beginning. And so I was isolated mm-hmm. to an extent from, from the experiences that a normal kid would have had in, in school. And uh, as a result, I probably spent a greater proportion of my time studying as a kid than uh, my peers in college. Um, some other folks in the honors college there were private schooled, or they were tutored, or they just went to really nice uh, public schools that had good honors programs. And as a result, they were very dedicated to uh, to studying, to, to shutting out uh, activities that kept them from excelling in class. And... You know, when all was said and done, some of them actually went on to, to good things or better things, you know, according to them. Others, you know, got to the end or got to junior or senior year and went, oh, my God, what the hell have I done? <laughs> yeah. uh, and, you know, didn't get into law school or didn't get into med school or realized that they actually didn't want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a veterinarian mm-hmm. or this this thing that they had told themselves or that others had told them they were supposed to be. Uh, so there needs to be 
there needs to be some leniency here. And I'm not talking, you know, do whatever you want without any guidance whatsoever, kid, because, uh, you know, I'm completely hands-off and this is your life. No, kids need guidance. That's, <laughs> at certain points in their life, you need to tell them, no, you need to do A and not B. Yes. But to tell them, no, you only need to do A and don't even consider that there might be a B or a C or a D or an E <laughs> is, is just, I, I would, think, I would say, narrow-minded. Yes, limiting and, uh, and, and small-minded. It's simplistic. Uh, and I'll just put it that way. It's, it's overly simplistic. Yeah. It, um, it, I'd like to – again. Well, in finishing, you know, it, it, uh, it really – over, it, it, it completely eliminates the richness in the di- in diversity, and I mean this is a this is a very anti diversity piece because you know our common perception is oh well diversity means you know diversity of thought and opinion and race and creed etc. And she is basically saying no one creed one <laughs> uh, you know one philosophy one approach is superior to all others and screw you guys because diversity yeah. is yeah. Diversity sucks in that well, regard. The, the, the article is called "Why Chinese Mothers Are Superior." Yeah, so and, that's yeah. It, she she doesn't hide her thought. It's about as anti diversity as you can get. So mm, yeah, yeah, we'll see. Now so, uh, yeah, you I mean, had you said something about specialization earlier, Stephen. I, I want to to bring up a quote that is is one of my favorite quotes of all time by Robert Heinlein, um, and it, it's kind of a long quote. So I'll just give you the whole thing. A human being should be able to change a diaper plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. (laughs) I like that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite quotes of all time. Highland's one of my favorite authors. That's one of my favorite quotes of his. Um, which, you know, if we focus too much on one thing, we can't do the others. Right. So, Kiki, we haven't heard from you in about the last 15 minutes. Do you have, uh, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on this subject? Yeah. And, I mean, I think, I think Kevin's right in the fact that she is specifically trying to kind of goad people into – because if you look at the bottom, it says that uh, one of the other things she authored is something called World on Fire, How Exporting Free Market Democracy Breeds Ethnic Hatred and Global Instability. <laughs> so, I mean, she's, she seems a little bit cracked. Yeah. Someone yes. is Kevin. Yeah, sorry. I don't know who that is, actually. It's a random number. Huh. I'll see if they leave a message. Probably drunk dial. From but, you know, Europe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I was going to say. Sorry, we're, we're recording at like 4.30 Central Time in the afternoon. <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's, always, it's always 5 o'clock somewhere, right? Uh, <clears throat> it's still a little early to be that drunk in, in Europe. <laughs> Anyways. Okay, what were you saying, Kiki. I, I was just saying that, yeah, I think she means to be inflammatory and, you know, she might be a little cracked uh, in the head. But the idea of, of this, you know, because she was talking about, you know, like, if a, if a Chinese child got a B, which she says would never happen, you know, then there would be, yes. you know, this whole thing. Well, the, in, you know, my family was kind of similar in some ways, not necessarily my parents, but my grandparents, especially on both sides. Um, 
I, uh, I have a learning disability in math. Uh, and so math was always, even, even very simple math, was always very, very difficult for me. And it was, you know, one time I was working so hard and I got a B in math, which was really good for me. And, you know, when I showed it to my, my grandmother, she goes, so why isn't this an A? Everything else is A's. You know, what's wrong with you mm -hmm. that you didn't get an A? And knowing how hard I had worked just to achieve that B, you know, yeah. which was really, really good for, you know, for my brain, basically. You know, I mean, being able to overcome that and the hours of work I put into that was kind of like saying, you know, well, screw you, all your work isn't good enough. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's it's that, you know, and these are the things she's saying. It didn't make me want to work harder. It made me want to give up because no matter what I did, I felt like nothing would ever be good enough. Yeah. And that my, my there's, you know, I know what you're saying, Kiki. There, there's a there's a point in this article where she talks about the uh, the the one song, you know, the shiny little pony or whatever it was, yeah. um, that uh, that her daughter was trying to learn and she just couldn't do it. I mean, she it was a really difficult uh, two two hand piece that she just tried and tried and tried and tried it and, and you know for the life of her cannot get it and and finally. You know, it was just a matter of forcing her, you know, to let, you know, I think she was taking away things at this point, you know, forcing her to practice. And then mm -hmm. magically, at, at one point, she just gets it and then starts playing it. And, and after that, you know, she can play it well and, you know, all is well and right. But I have a feeling that the, the stress and the animosity that that, you know, that that required to get it to that point was not worth being able to play this one simple little piece of music. Well, simple being a relative term, but this one little piece of music. This particular piece of music. This particular piece of music. You know, this, so, you know, at, at some point you overcome the barrier, yes. You know, if you, God, if you work hard enough, eventually you get it most of the time. But uh, is, is, is it really worth it to bang your head against a wall until you make a hole in it versus going and getting a saw? <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. There's well, usually there's a, a better way of getting through a problem than brute force. Yeah, I mean, but there's also a thing here of of you know, presumably her children have no learning disabilities, no you know inability to do you know. Presumably, she's got the nice normal children, right? And you know, it's I was. I was sitting, my, my roommate's girlfriend had her child, her three-year-old, over here for the weekend. And um, I spent some time watching Blue's Clues with her because I personally love Blue's Clues. Um, and it was kind of interesting because I, I watch the show a lot, but I never watch it with a kid because I don't like kids. <laughs> but, we, you know, I was, watching, I was watching it with her, and I started to think, and I've thought this a lot of, you know, over here – we have all these shows that are like, you can be anything you want to be and you can do anything you want to do. And, you know, all you have to do is just try. And, and up to a certain point, that's true. But, Not you know, really. I, I could never be an astrophysicist. I love astrophysics. I do. I absolutely adore it. But I can't do the math. Yeah. 
No, and, you know. and there was, it's funny, I've, I've been watching, like, the entire series of the community uh, over the weekend, and uh, there was an episode recently, actually, the, the most recent one I watched, where the uh, the protagonist, or one of the protagonists, uh, um, is in a, a pottery class, and uh, and there's another guy there who, uh, who kind of shows him up, and, uh, you know, Jeff is used to being, like, the cool guy in class, and getting all the ladies, and, you know, do, being the best at everything, and uh, and this other guy just you know seems to have a natural talent you know without even trying he's he's spinning these incredible pots so Jeff you know spends you know all night studying and you know reading all these ceramics books and and the only conclusion he can come to is as this other guy has had practice before you know he's he's from New Mexico obviously he's had pottery lessons and he just joined this class to to look talented even you know while while having yeah. all this expert knowledge. Um, and there's a there's a point at which he comes to the realization that it, it really doesn't matter. It's okay if he if he sucks at making pottery, uh, and, and so he has this uh, this memory in his head first of of his mother telling him, you know, you're special, you're unique, you're going to be the absolute best at everything you do, and then uh, by the end of the show, it morphs into uh, her basically saying. Uh, Jeff, you are completely average, and uh, when you go through life, you're going to be great at some things and uh, really crappy at a lot of others. <laughs> so th- this kind of realism, I think, is, is the best approach to take. Like, yeah, we're not all going to be experts at, at everything. We're not even at, even at something we uh, really want to be or something that we focus on that we spend a lot of work on. We may not actually excel at that. Uh, we may just not be cut out for that. Um, you know, it's kind of humbling, but it's also freeing. You know, that the idea that oh, you can be you can be the best at, at anything as long as you apply yourself can cause people to waste a lot of time on things that they just aren't cut out to do. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, the the idea that I had was if I if I grew up in this woman's household, you know, given my my learning disability and my inability to do math. What would, I mean, I probably would have never been allowed to discover the things that I'm really good at, you know, and I mean, the fact that, the fact that when I was little, you know, my father looked at me and said, you know what, you can't do math, okay, so find something that doesn't take a lot of math that you like to do. Yeah. You know, and I mean, it's just. So kind of. Kind of bringing it, bringing it back a little bit, uh, we, we talked earlier about American exceptionalism, and I, I think this ties in perfectly. The you know keeping up the idea that America has to be the absolute best country in the world, I think, is what has sort of led to our downfall. Um, and and for Obama to come forward and say, you know what, we don't have to be the best at everything; we just have to be good enough. That's a you know that's a really different idea. That's that kind of goes against a lot of the the American philosophy. Um, but I think it's also freeing in a sense. It lets us it lets us go. Well, you know what? Let's just have pretty darn good roads. We don't have to have the best roads. Let's have pretty darn good education. We don't have to have the best education. You know, let's get into the top twenty or the top fifteen at least. <laughs> you know, we don't have to be number one, but let's let's yeah. make it better. Yeah. You know that that is I, I, you know that's a philosophy I can get behind. I think that's the philosophy of this generation. Um, yeah. and, and this idea of, you know, having to be the absolute best, no matter what, at the exclusion of all th- other things, I think that's, uh, you know, that's just not for us anymore. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I don't know, I, I just think generalization is good, but some people can't get everything in the generalization. You know, yeah, yeah. it's fine if you're only good at one thing, you know, be, be really good at that one thing. That's great. 
but yeah, but stay well-rounded. I mean, I think that's the uh, the well-rounded person, the, the person who kind of reflects and goes, you know, well, am I really doing the best thing for me right now? Uh, is is my current path the, the best one? Are my current beliefs true? Uh, you know, the, the person who's constantly questioning that is, is a little bit better off than, than somebody who just goes, no, the violin is the, the absolute be-all end-all of instruments and nothing else should be played. <laughs> So uh, we'll, we'll kind of leave it there. We'll talk more about the, the partially examined life on a future episode because um, there's some interesting stuff to be said there. Uh, let's end up real quick, uh, Kiki. You had a uh, had some comments about another question that came up on Form Spring. Ricky Gervais at the Golden Globes, hilarious or offensive? Absolutely hilarious. <laughs> like uh, there, there's there's nothing there's nothing in it to me. The the thing is is that if you've ever seen any of Ricky Gervais's stuff, he's very snarky and very kind of pointed in his thing. You know, I mean, and and when he when he starts out saying, you know, tonight there's going to be a lot of frivolity and a lot of drinking and a lot of schmoozing, or as Charlie Sheen calls it, Monday night. You know, I mean. <laughs> There's, you, you kind of know what you're going to get there, you know. You kind of know that he's going to take pot shots at everybody because that's what he does. Right. I mean, it's it's like it's like getting Don Rickles to to come and and host your show. You know that he's going to be insulting people because that's what he does. And to think that Ricky Gervais wouldn't do that is ridiculous. But also, you know, the stuff he said. You know these these shows tend to take you know themselves a little too seriously, and yeah, they, not not so much the Golden Globes. I mean, they're yeah, they're the kind Golden of the, Globes is a bit better. But, the redheaded stepchild of the Oscars, you know. <laughs> yeah, but but the idea of you know this is this is a time to kind of have fun and make fun of ourselves is is good for some people. Yeah, um, you know he did kind of step on a lot of toes. I mean, he introduced Bruce Willis as uh, Ashton Kutcher's father <laughs> uh, when Bruce Willis came out to present something or another. Um, but he had the... I think a lot of people got got really upset at his last line, which was the last line of the evening. He was like, thank you for being with us, and I would like to thank God for making me an atheist. <laughs> and that was the last line of the show. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> A lot of people got very upset, and he later defended himself, you know, when he said, you know, so many people, when they win these awards, they thank God, and I never get offended at that. Yeah. You know, that's, that's why, why can't I, I be truthful and, you know, with my beliefs just as, as they can be truthful with theirs, mm -hmm. you know? Um, and so I thought that was very interesting, and I really, I really loved that. But yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean... If you're in the spotlight, you gotta, you gotta expect some ribbing. I mean, it's just it's it's what comes with the territory. Well, um, I would so. love to see him host uh, host some other award shows in the future. Particularly, <laughs> I, I think in a, in a year or so, he might be uh, he might be a good pick for the Oscars. I think this was sort of his audition. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if the Oscars would, would let him do that. Mm, yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I mean, they've let John Stewart do it, so. Yeah, once. yeah, once. <laughs> <That was good. laughs> yeah, maybe maybe they made their mistake about that, but 
All righty. Uh, well, th- thank you all for uh, for kind of doing an off the cuff episode. I think we we actually did did pretty well for for not having uh, not being able to do the topic we came prepared for. <laughs> um, we will, uh, of course, in the near future, be talking more about uh, Ayn Rand and uh, Jed's and Kiki's varying views on. Uh, on objectivism and Atlas Shrugged, etc. Uh, feel free to uh, to leave us a, a comment or a question on formspring.me slash badphilosophy. We also, I, I recently went through and, uh, and retooled our site to, uh, to bring in a bunch of Facebook integrations. So you can now like every episode that, uh, that comes along. You can, uh, you can post the uh, the episodes uh, and comment on them on your on your wall. You can add comments via via Facebook, and of course, you can like Bad Philosophy as a show. We have a, have a page, uh, facebook.com slash Bad Philosophy, if you can believe it. Uh, you can comment there. You can leave posts. You can uh, even post pictures. I think might have might have been enabled, which. May or may not have been a horrible idea on my part. We'll see. Why, why, don't, you, why don't you decide, everybody? <laughs> and uh, and we'll also be announcing uh, various things on there, like the fact that Kevin and I both had birthdays since the last episode. What we did? What? Uh, Kevin is twenty four. I have twenty three. Throwing up though. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, my, mine was actually one of my one of my favorite birthdays ever. Not not my absolute favorite, but. Uh, I think it was great. I just I chilled. I watched Community. I worked out. I went to work. Um, I got a new monitor for myself. Like I did. It was it was a little bit of everything. I, I enjoyed oh, it. Steven, I gotta tell you, you you posted on Facebook where you said that you were in the gym all alone, and it was like somebody got you a private gym for your birthday, and you were so happy. <laughs> and it it kind of reminded me of one of the differences between men and women. I think is that you were like, "Yay, a private gym for my birthday!" And I thought if somebody gave me a gym for my birthday, private or not, I'd be like, "So you're saying I'm fat?" <laughs> you know? I mean, I think it's just. Well, I think it, it helps that I, I've sort of been a, a gymnophile uh, all my life. Yeah. So <laughs> it, it's Steven one of those things. likes working out. Yeah, I do. Weirdo. And, uh, well, um, thank you for, for listening, everybody. And, uh, and certainly get in touch with us via Facebook, Twitter, WordPress. We, you know, everything's based on WordPress. So you could leave it a traditional comment, which a couple of our fans have actually been doing recently. Thank you, Taz and... Uh, Zargon. <laughs> I don't know how you pronounce that. R B Z Argon? R B Zargon? Something like that. Yeah. Thank you for your comments Rubzargon. on there. However you decide to uh, to get in touch with us, please do, because we love hearing from you and we actually do respond to stuff. Also tell your friends, please. Yeah. It's gonna be a thing, everybody. So thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Bad Philosophy. What are you eating, Kevin? An orange, because I have to eat healthier, or else my liver will explode and I will die. Oh. That's right, you're pregnant now. No, I'm better. Oh, okay. Does that mean not pregnant anymore? I was never actually pregnant. Oh, but, okay. <laughs> um, I, didn't, I didn't know. I mean, basically, I have a fat liver. All right. Which isn't surprising, because the rest of me's gotten kind of fat, too. You should get your liver on to uh, Biggest Loser. It's not that fat. Oh, my my liver is um, mildly obese fat, not Biggest Loser fat. <laughs> okay, aren't they mildly obese on that show though? No, I think morbidly obese on morbidly that show. Morbidly obese. Okay, gotcha.
I, as a human being, am mildly obese. Mm. Mainly because I've put on 50, 60 pounds since coming to grad school, which I really hate, but it's because I'm in grad school and I don't have time to do anything but sit at a desk and eat terribly. Let's talk about something better.